You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. Hey guys, welcome to the after laugh. I'm here uh, with my friend of, of, of many years, and I, I always have this preface in, in this podcast where I go, we're friends, right? We'll it, see. We'll see how <laughs> we'll sick see how I get goes. from doing this podcast outdoors. Oh, my God. It, do, do you feel like the heat is okay? We got one right there. That probably is a placebo, the, the, and that one right there. The problem with heat lamps is you basically, most of your body is cold, and then you burn your face off. It's like a very, <laughs> it's like a very poor solution. It kind of works. Yeah. It tricks you into thinking you're okay. It's kind of like the air conditioner on the uh, on the airplane, the little spot of spigot yeah. of air that goes into your eyeball. And yeah, everything really, else. what's happening is I'm still weakening my immune system by being cold, but I'm also getting sunburn at the same time. <laughs> That's so it's, pretty it's good. lovely. Well, it is good for your immune system to be in the cold, <laughs> right? Isn't it good? It's 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 making you. Oh no! It as he's coughing, he's Ebola. Well, no, because um, I just, I, I, it's one of those things where you, you remind yourself that you're getting older. Oh god! Because like I had a cold, like I always do, and my colds are the same my whole life. You know, a, a day of the throat. And then it mo- <laughs> and then it starts moving, you know. And however long that throat lasts dictates how long the rest of the cold. And it goes be. to the chest. Yeah, and then and and, and it then goes your balls. I've been yeah exactly. Then my balls sneeze for a while, <laughs> which is usually the sign of a good night. Um, but then uh, yeah, I've had a then I had a cough for like a month. Yeah, where it just oh kind of stuck around. That's the worst. And like the rest of it's fine. It's one of those things where you're just eighty five percent healthy. And yeah. Like so, I'm not really sick. I can't really yeah. go to the doctor. Is really like I went to urgent care, and they're like, "Oh, you know what's wrong with you?" I'm like, "Nothing really." <laughs> like, Just, I'm Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> what's wrong? <laughs> yeah. I was born to two Jewish parents. <laughs> kind of nebbishy. Um, well, thanks for having me, Bill. Yeah, man. No, Steve. I've always, you know, I, I think I first came across you. That's such a weird phrase to say. I came across you, but it was back in the Times Square Laugh Factory, probably in 2006 or seven. Wow. And you already kind of made a name for yourself on the college scene. And, and people would whisper, you know, Steve Hofstetter's coming. Steve Hofstetter. Yeah, because you had a college show, didn't you? Huh? Didn't you have like a college I, yeah, night I was, thing? I was a little old for it, but, you know, don't tell the girls. I was, yeah, I had a college night. Yeah, that's how I first heard your name. Yeah. Because you were running a college night. Yeah, at, at the Times Square Life Factory, yeah. which people don't remember that club anymore. But there was a few years where that club was unbelievable and years where it was terrible. I did... So that was before I was a regular at the factory. Yeah. So the only time I played the Times Square one was there was like a New York comedy festival where there were a bunch of shows in different places. And I was running. uh, So I I produced like some like kind of like the the point. It was like young guns of comedy or something. It was the idea was it was a bunch of, you know, younger comics that I enjoyed and you know, the idea was I could sell tickets producing a show, so I would just put comics I liked on it. And we ended up selling so well, we sold out three shows. But the great thing about the Times Square Laugh Factory is it had seven showrooms. Yeah, five. Now, five. I think Unless you two, put two in some weird place. There were two. I think there were two that were like, there was like a 20-seat or something. Just okay, yeah. Maybe there was a brief time where they had. Maybe. Or I could also be remembering this wrong. Again, getting older. 
So, but whatever, the point was they had unused showrooms all the time. Yeah. And so, like, when we sold too many tickets, we just ended up having a couple of shows going at once, and the comics were just running from room to room. Yeah. And it was so much fun. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I'd love to come back. And they were like, okay. Not like okay to me, but like, okay, yeah, you'd like to. (laughs) So would a lot of people kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It It took me 10 years to get past the Laugh Factory. Really? 10 years. That's so interesting because I kind of I always thought that you were past. When I started, you were already kind of. I was doing a shows. I was doing like other people's shows. Yeah. Like Jay Davis would have me on his night. Yeah. Uh, the first one to ever have me actually was Chocolate Sundays. Pookie would have me. Oh, that's crazy. And so, yeah, I got really lucky on that one because the first time I ever did it, uh, the comic before me was so bad and weird, <laughs> and it was like the first impressions that they do. Before oh the yeah, show yeah, starts. yeah. And so before that MC even goes but, up, they're yeah. just like, and first impressions, you walk yeah, on pre MC. Yeah. Yeah. First impressions. This is weird. That's There's my first an empty impression. stage and you're yeah. a white guy, a white ginger and you walk on an empty stage. Well, I had to follow. So I followed this woman who at the end of her set, she just started singing gospel. You oh, know, like God. there are some comics who like they have a talent of something else. Yeah. That's not good enough to just do that. Yes. But it's better than. The average comedian at that scale. So they incorporate it into their act somehow. Right. Like, I could throw 65 miles an hour. What if I did that on stage? (laughs) Would that be appropriate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be ridiculous. Yeah. So so she just starts singing gospel, and she even says, she goes, oh, we about to turn into church up in here. And the audience just looks at each other like, but why? (laughs) Why? We're at a comedy show. Yeah. And so it was just like weird silence. So then I went up after her. And I just go, don't worry, guys, I'm Jewish. And everybody laughed. Everybody and I laughed. Just and you're had like, him. you had them. I, yeah. you know, and, and and thankfully for her for being so weird that, uh, so then I got past the Chocolate Sundays and I did that regularly. But then I wasn't past the club. And then it, w- it wasn't until a couple of years ago, when probably about four years ago, when uh-huh. I was doing laughs. And I came by to talk to Jamie about laughs. And then he was like, well, why don't you come by the club and do a set? I was like, sure. So I did a guest set, and then he had me do, and this was brilliant of him. He was testing me. Yeah. He gave me the midnight Friday night spot following Dane, Dane Cook, Cook doing an hour. We've talked about that on several times this podcast, how that is Jamie's litmus test. It, it, was, it was brilliant. And I was up there, and I was about five minutes in realizing that, like, oh, yeah, five years ago, I'd have crumbled. Yeah. Like, five years ago, if he had given me this spot, I'd have let it get to me. Mm-hmm. But by then, I was so bulletproof that yeah. I was like, yeah, it's fine that half of you are leaving. You're not here for me, and I'm not going to take that personally. Yeah, exactly. And, he, you know, and after that spot, it was funny because he came over to me afterwards. And, and this, was, this is so, this 2014. Four, okay, 2014. So, so Dane isn't at the 2006 Dane. No, this wasn't 2006 where, Dane. Like, he could body surf out of the room at any point after a set. No, but it was still, but the people who were coming oh, for him still were still huge. His yeah, and he still murders. And they were paying checks right after him yeah. and leaving. Yes, of course. Like, as I was getting introduced. It wasn't even like, oh, they saw part of my set and were like, all right, now let's leave. Yeah. But it was like they were literally putting their jackets on as I got on stage. <laughs> and I was like, all right, we'll let him leave. Yeah. And my job was just do the first couple of minutes to settle everyone else down and then make sure people aren't leaving anymore. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And yeah, and that's how I got past to the club. Oh, that's very cool. And, yeah, so and then I had a residency for three years. 
Yes. Well, we don't have to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you I, want to. I just I just mean that like that that's the thing about the club is that like it's very difficult to get past this club. But yeah. once you're in it, I can't tell you how many clubs I'm past at that I've never been given a spot. Yeah. Like, what's the point what's of the saying point? Yeah. you're a regular? In, in, I'm past the improv and they go, put in your veils. I'm like, okay, yeah. if They're you like, want. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what a fun game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but this is one where if you are past the club, you actually work the club. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. which is why it takes longer to get past. Yeah. Now, I want to ask you about uh, your your upbringing and your start because I, I, I okay. want to get deeper into like your comedy stuff. But um, so you are a. a uh, you have you a book out, right? Jewish person. You're Jewish ginger. Is it? What's your? What's your don't you have a book out called? So I have a book out called Ginger Kid. Ginger Kid. Okay. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in Queens. In Queens. Okay. Yeah. Like rough, roughneck Queens. Uh, I grew up in Briarwood, which is basically borderline. Not anymore. Now it sucks. All my street cred got gentrified. Oh, it's all Starbucks and. I, what the hell happened? Like. I had so much street cred. So you had street cred. So you went to like a public school. I had street cred. I went to a public school. I got mugged. Like oh, nice. that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, found a suitcase full of drugs in the schoolyard when I was a kid, you know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. Yeah. And now people are like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, oh, yeah, I grew up in Briarwood. And people are like, oh, that's oh. good. It's kind of convenient to the city because, you know, it's only like 20, 25 minutes by train. It's not that bad. I was like, shut up. That's shut not up. what it was. Yeah, you should be scared. It's, yeah, it's board. It's the, on the border of Jamaica. Okay, got and it. And yeah. so Briarwood is a little, it's like a square mile. It started. A lot of it started as United Nations housing. Yeah. And then it just became low-income housing. And the crazy thing about Briarwood is Queens is the most diverse county in the country. I didn't know that, yeah. More languages are spoken in Queens than any other county. But Briarwood is the most diverse part of Queens. Oh, wow. So, like, my friends growing up, all their names were, like, I ran into some people from my elementary school, and I was talking to them, and we were like, oh, how's this person? How's that person? And I realized every name, like, my friends growing up, my friend group, it was Amal, who was Indian, yeah. Lee Koo, who was Korean, uh, Lazan, who was Chinese, yeah. Steve Gomez, who was Mexican, yeah. and then uh, Seth and I were both Jewish. So you, it's, you're that like a network series now, you know it what was, I mean? Like yeah, every, exactly. Like we got to get the most diverse group of people, no two are the same. Yeah, they would just have someone else play me. And what was your, what was your so were you like an athlete? Were you a jockey kid? Were you like oh, a nerdy no. kid? I was, I was absolutely a nerdy kid. Yeah. I was a nerdy kid, and... The book is basically my evolution from being like, you know, the smart cracking wise ass in sixth grade to yeah. being like silent in seventh grade. I became wow. super shy because I went to a new school in seventh okay, grade. Yeah. And Why'd that happen? Why'd you go to a new school? It was Just... a great school. It was a hunter. Oh, so it was like is, a magnet school? Yeah. Got it. And so it is, it's a different system, but similar. Yeah. And basically, suddenly I wasn't the smart kid anymore. And... I wasn't like I didn't have an identity. Like I cracked a joke the first day that went really, really well. Uh-huh. Do you remember the joke? Yeah, it was so dumb. It was basically what happened was, it's the end of the first day of school, and so we've been in all the different classes. I've been Steven the whole day. Yeah, yeah. And then this teacher is going around going, uh, you know, Chris or Christopher, David or Dave, you know, and gets to me and just goes Steven. I'm like, well, I don't get a choice. So I just say, uh, excuse me, it's uh, Steve, please. Yeah. And everybody laughed because yeah. I was Steven the whole day, and they knew I was just fucking with her. Yeah. And it was like, ah, new kids flaunting yeah, authority. Yeah, he's you know? killing it. And that was the last laugh I got <laughs> for so long. For so long. Everything else was just, 
I always had more of an adult sense of humor, and then yeah. not appreciated by twelve year olds. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember that when we came to Times Square. I was like, you, you, you've always been sophisticated in I, your humor. I appreciate that. I. Yeah. That's the nicest way anybody said that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I say it's like it with nothing nice but nothing saying, but admiration uh, of saying out of touch. It's a very nice way. No, I don't think I don't think I don't think you're out of touch. All, but you're not you're not going for the low hanging fruit. No, and I'm guilty of going for Ling at times, not all the time, Mom. But I'll, you know, a lot of time I do. <laughs> Sounds so, like you have a thing you have to work out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But um, so you were were your only child? Do you have brothers, sisters? No, or? I'm the youngest of four. And you weren't from like a orthodox Jewish family or anything crazy no, that you my sister and brother actually both became orthodox later wow. in life why for different reasons my sister became orthodox through like her social circle yeah like she like I was you know a misfit loser in high school yeah I was too I don't fault her for that a lot of us were but religion takes all Sure. And so she kind of her friend group became the Orthodox kids. Yeah. So then she became Orthodox. My wow. brother in college fell in love with an Orthodox woman, who he has now been married to for like fifteen years. Yeah. And, or no, way longer than that. And they have four. Like how many kids years. do they have? They have two. Yeah. My sister has four. They both had two at the same time, and then when my sister had her third, I was like, "Hey, congratulations! You took the lead." And she goes, it's not about that. And I go, yeah, 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 sure, it's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, in the Jewish race, yeah, there it is. I, absolutely. I know all about that. Yeah. So um, that's really funny. So you have, you're, no one else is a comic in your family. Everyone else is like a, a civilian. No, but my brother is super funny and my other sister is super funny. Yeah. And they've both done open mics. Oh, really? M- my brother just did it once and he was good. My sister did it a couple times. She was such a natural. And not only that, but she's uh, holy she's shit. calling me right now. That's what this no. So she she's a natural. She's also an attractive black Jewish woman. Wait, what? 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 Your sister's black? She's adopted. Okay, got it. So well, that's that's a whole interesting dynamic right there. I told her, and she was doing this. This was when she was in her like mid twenties. Yeah, and I told her like because then she quit. And it's it's a very comedy story. Why? Yeah. But I told her I was like, you understand if you just do this for six months, you'll have a sitcom. Of course. Just do this for six months. But what happened was, she did it three times. She was really funny. She still has bits I remember. Really? Like, yeah. She had a she had a great bit about uh, about taking the New York City subway as a black woman, and how it's very difficult because anytime anything happens with another black person on the train, everybody looks at her like, is this your friend? <laughs> yeah, of course. And so that was a great bit. And then she also did, this was like the height of Sex in the City, and she did this whole thing about how like everybody's being like, oh, I'm a Charlotte. I'm a, and, and it's like, no, you're not. You're not. You're a housewife in Georgia. You have nothing to do with this show. <laughs> That's nothing a great about joke. your life is like this show at all. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. And so, and that was like right when she started her first couple times. You're like, and God also, damn it. And also, she was, no, I was so proud of her, and I was a little bit ahead of her, and I was also producing shows in New York, yeah. so I could tell her what landmines to, yeah. you know, to skip. And it was also funny, because all these comics would, like, come over to me and be like, oh, I'm going to try to fuck your sister. Oh, God. I would just be like, good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sure she'll really enjoy yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Oh, the comic charm. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, you, you can't fuck a groupie. <laughs> so... Uh, anyway, she gets asked to do this show where she tells me, she calls me all excited. She goes, oh, the Booker for Saturday Night Live is going to be there. And I just go, no, he's not. Oh. 
And she's like, what do you mean? And I go, well, this is a bringer show. Yeah, welcome to New York comedy. Yeah, I was yeah. like, were you asked to bring 10 people? And she's like, 15? And I was like, okay. So the booker for Saturday Night Live, which, by the way, there isn't such thing. Yes, it's exactly. Lauren Michaels. It's Lauren. There are talent scouts. Sure. There are producers. Yeah. But there's not like a booker. A booker. So, uh, I, I mean, there's a booker for like the bands. Yeah. So not for like the cast members. That's not yeah. how it works. There's a casting director. Yeah. So I said, so they're going to come and watch brand new comics who have to bring 15 friends in order to get seen. I was like, they've never come see me. Why are they going to come see you? Yeah. And she was so crestfallen from oh, this wow. that she quit. Did she do her show? She didn't do the show. And maybe Lauren she Michaels quit. was there yeah, that Lauren night. Lauren Michaels, motherfucker. <laughs> but he was the only one there, too. So she quit that just because of she the quit. idea of that. And and I, sa- I said to her, I was like, but you have me. You have me to tell yeah. you to tell you when this is bullshit. You know, you have me to have, because without me, you would have done this show. Yeah. And so, but she's like, I don't want to be in a business that acts like this. And I was wow. like, every business acts like this. It's just in different form. Sure. But she was so, like, mortified by that being, cause, I think she was mortified that I wasn't mortified. Yeah. That I was like, oh, yeah, this is just a thing. Yeah. This is a thing people do. They lie and take advantage, and you just have to watch out for that. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, there's a, is there a gender bias against women in comedy? And I think, I think part of it is that women, a lot of women quit comedy when there's adversity, not because women are weak or anything, but because they, men were just like, yeah, shit happens. People are fucking assholes. There's kind of like an aggressive, like macho male mentality about like, fuck these people. But women, it's like they take it really personally a lot of the times when things I, like this. I know, I, I've known plenty of women who were yeah. funny and smart, great voices. And they just get fucked with, and they're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this. I've seen you guys quit on that, too, though. Yeah. I, I think that there is a lot of fuckery in this business, for sure. Yeah. Um, But also, like, I think the two most difficult things for women in this business, one is the actual physical danger. Sure. Like, I've been on the road. I've I've narrowly avoided something horrific twice, where, like... A car chased us, and there was another time where a guy, like, like a heckler, uh, no, 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 like in the middle of the night, like a car that was on the side of the road, uh-huh. we passed by him. This is in, and you, who's we? You and your opener, me and another comic. Yeah. yeah, we're in the in like the upper on our way to the upper peninsula of Michigan. We're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and we see a car on the side of the road, just kind of parked. We pass, like we see him way ahead of us, and I even say, I go, look at that poor bastard, because it's like ten degrees out. Yeah. And so as we pass him, suddenly his lights come on, and he goes onto the road. And I was like, oh, that was weird. Yeah. And then as we're driving, he's kind of gaining on us. And I was like, how fast are you going, man? He's like, I'm doing 90. <laughs> and I go, do 100. So he does. Guy's gaining on us. I go, go Jesus. 110. Go 110. He's gaining on us. Yeah. We're like, fuck. This is bad. Yeah. So there's an exit where there's a hotel right off the exit. And I go, go now quickly before you can catch up to us. Go to the hotel. So we get off the exit, we pull into the hotel, and we are in the car with it running in front of, you know, like the little lobby area where there's the overhang of most hotels? Yeah. And so that, like, we could see the clerk at the desk. Yeah. But we're still in the car, so we can, you know, kind of escape or whatever. And this guy gets off the same exit, pulls in the hotel parking lot, turns around, gets back on the highway. Jesus. I'll never know what he wanted, and I'm fine with that. 
Yeah. The other time was uh, at a rest up in New York State. Um, I was asleep. It's like five in the morning. Um, my buddy gets out to pee. I'm like, yeah, leave me alone. You know, I'm still sleeping. All of a sudden, I get sh- like startled awake. He has run into the car, slammed the door, and just jammed on the gas. Got the fuck out of there. And there's a guy trying to pull the door open. Jesus. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Some guy, like, tried to talk to him on the way back to the car. And he's like, no, 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 man. I mean, we're New Yorkers. We say, yeah, 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 leave yeah, us yeah, alone. Yeah. So the guy starts coming toward him more. And he's like, nah, no thank you. You know, whatever it was, I want no part of this. And he's going to the car. The guy starts running toward him going, my girlfriend, my girlfriend. And and my buddy's like, I don't care. And he, like, jumps in the car. And the guy is trying to get the door open. Jesus. Now, if he's a guy in distress that just needs help, you don't try to get the door open while my friend's like holding it closed jamming on the gas so my friend calls the cops a half hour later they call and they say hey we canvassed the parking lot we found a guy wearing exactly the same thing you described same car he says he just got there he's not there with anyone like what do you want us to do or like well we don't have proof that he did anything so there's nothing you can do but like maybe watch him (laughs) <laughs> you know, maybe maybe take don't photo. take a half hour to see. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, going through those two things, I'm a six four dude. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine how terrifying it would be. I wouldn't stop to get gas at five in the morning if I were like oh, a, oh, a single yeah. female. Sure. Like, because the world is full of monsters, and that's not yeah. their fault. Of course. And then the other thing is, sometimes producers give female comics opportunity before they're ready yeah. because there is a tendency of quotas there is a tendency of like well i need a female comic on this lineup yeah and i'm too much of an amateur shithead <laughs> to actually find good ones yes which there are thousands of. yeah of course and so, and they also have maybe have an angle like they want to like hook up or whatever that exactly is. Yeah. like yeah and there's that too and so what'll happen is someone will get a an opportunity before they're ready which is detrimental to their comedy personally and of it's detrimental to the audience's perception. Yeah, so of course. I think those are two things. Yeah, that they no, deal with. I want to talk to you about. We're super off topic. You, you've kind of become. No, it's great. I, I want to talk to you about your sort of relationship with hecklers because I think that's the okay. thing. That's where your signature. It's kind of like your brand now. It's a little weird, but yeah. Uh, and, and it's really cool. I mean, I've I've gone down the the, the Steve Hofstadter rabbit hole of like of like heckler stuff. Yeah. And I feel like the way you brand it with the memes and the titles, it, it's very intriguing. It's like very clickbait, and 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 a lot of those are are great. And I always think like I'm I'm we're both dudes. You're yeah. you're six four, but I'm like I you know I tra- I I train as, as a BJJ guy. I've I've yeah. had to choke people unconscious on the street for shit. Like I f- grew up fighting my brother, so I'm like I'm not like a tough guy. You're like, but in the, world, in the comedy world, in the comedy world, I'm a tough guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I yeah, like my 65 mile an hour fastball is great in the comedy world. <laughs> yeah. So, but my point is, like, I f- sometimes think about, oh, I don't want to piss someone off because I don't want yeah. like trouble. But you seem kind of fearless in that capacity, <laughs> and I'm always like, how come no one has ever done the Jim Jeffries thing and taken the chair and just beating you over the head? I can't um, imagine. I can't see how you've escaped at least a couple psychopaths going after you. I. One time, one guy goes, I'm going to kick your ass. And I go, you're going to have to get through 200 people to get me. (laughs) Because the thing is, I only, I've learned a long time ago that it's the gladiator thing. You win the crowd, you win the day. 
Yeah. I go after hecklers when the crowd hates them more than I do. Yeah. So there have been a couple times where I've been genuinely scared. I sure. actually just put up a clip on Facebook. It's an older clip, but I hadn't shared it on Facebook before, of a time where there was – I kind of had to stop a fight during a show. Yeah. Where there was this guy who wanted to fight someone else in the crowd. Like my – Oh, my, I think I saw the one, My yeah. opener did a joke um, about divorce – and this one guy said he's been married for however long. And then this other guy yells, oh, he's a pussy. <laughs> and then that guy got so mad at the guy who yelled he's a pussy. <laughs> Even though, like, the comic diffused it really well. It's Brett Druck. Uh -huh. He diffused it really, really well. He was like, oh. And he said to the guy who called it, he's like, are you married? And the guy's like, no, I'm divorced. And he goes, yeah, you're just taking out your sadness on him. Of course, which he, is exactly what he did. Right. He makes fun of the other guy. The guy he called, I and mean, he was on something for sure. <laughs> <laughs> playing with his nose a lot. It's one of those things. Where yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. guy's coked up. And so it's like, I don't know enough about drugs to know for sure, but I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> coked up. So, uh, and he kept like getting up toward the guy and the 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 woman he was with, his wife, kept uh, kept like grabbing his arm and pulling him back down to the table as if they were a regular Thursday, you know? And I was, I was so mad at the staff because they didn't kick them out. Yeah, oh God. Not only did they not kick them out of the room, I was like, where is everybody in the room? But also, when the staff finally took them out, they let them stay in the bar. Yeah, oh and, God. And I was like, how the fuck are you gonna compromise my safety like that? Yeah. Like, And they're like, well, they were perfectly reasonable at the bar. I was like, that doesn't erase anything they did in that showroom. The second a comic says, on stage, I am afraid. Get the oh, person yeah. the fuck out. So occasionally I've been I've been walked to my car by cops twice and just a precaution. Yeah. The one time that something almost really happened was thankfully the student activities people saw it, it was a college. Oh god. Where What college can you say? Uh yeah, it was in Utica. I don't remember which college it was, but I remember it was in Utica. It might yeah. have been Utica College. Okay. This was too long ago to remember, but I remember it was in Utica. And the stage was uh, next to a, a door in the student center. Now, there's a sign on the door that was like, show in progress, do not enter. And, of course, there are a couple of idiots that still do. Yeah. This one guy uh, is a lacrosse player. He's got a stick with him. Oh, God. And he not only walks through the door, but then crosses the stage unnecessarily cause, <laughs> and slowly. Yeah. Because he's like, that's not the way to the door. Yeah. He's just trying to get people to look at him. Sure. And so finally I go, hey, man, can you, uh, can you speed it up a bit? And uh, he, like, slows down even more. And yeah. so then I'm like, all right, asshole, all right. let's go. Yeah. So then I start making fun of him. I was like, yeah, you know, it makes sense. You take your lacrosse stick everywhere. I was like, you know, you, you probably have a really small dick, and that's your extension of it. Yes. Which is weird because just like your dick, it's webbed. <laughs> and, uh, and like, Which is great for off the cuff. That's great. It's thank you. I thought it was fun, a little immature, but it was fun. <laughs> and uh, so he leaves. He comes back with, like, half the lacrosse team. Oh, God. And they've all got their sticks, <laughs> and they're standing behind the rest of the crowd. Yeah. And they're, like, banging their sticks into their hands. Like Warriors gonna, come out to exactly. play. Great movie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would The three bottles would be less intimidating, <laughs> that little, like, click, click, click. So, um... Anyway, by the way, best line of that movie was why don't you just why don't you just strap a mattress to your back? It was such a burn. Oh, that's great. Anyway, so uh they they're just behind like threatening me and I'm doing 20 minutes 
while they're just standing like, there hitting their lacrosse sticks. And I'm just trying to hold it together. And Are you scared at this point? Absolutely, I was scared at yeah. this point. And I'm looking around. I'm like, you looking for the exits. There's the an exit there. There's an exit there. And I'm like, where, where? Because I was traveled with two of my buddies. I was like, where are they right now? Are there? Is there security here at this uh, point? There's no security, but mm-hmm. the student activities person notices it. Yeah. And he goes over to them. He told me afterward that he went over to them and he said, uh, "Any any one of you who is still standing here in five minutes will be expelled from this school." Oh wow. And they all dispersed immediately. Yeah. I don't know what they would have done afterward. I'm, again, glad not to ever know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Some so, of that, yeah, the, 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 some of this shit can be dangerous. But most of the time, it's done in good spirits. Most of the time, I'm laughing while I'm doing it. You're laughing. Yeah, it can get contentious <laughs> for sure. But usually, the, even the people with the person are on my side. Yeah, for sure. As I watch your your heckler videos, I, I guess the reason I think about it a lot is because I think now that this is sort of an established brand, yeah, and you would agree with that, right? Yes, like people, pe- people are waiting for the next Steve Hofstadter heckler video. There, there right? are people who come to shows in hopes that they will see it for sure. So then, does that add a pressure <laughs> on you to to um, not manufacture it, but just sort of encourage it when you might not normally encourage it? It doesn't. The only thing I do differently is I don't dispatch them as quickly yes. knowing full well that you're like, like any good three minutes video. for views yeah. yeah exactly if it's less than three minutes Facebook won't monetize it <laughs> no it's it's uh it's one of these things where like the first time I ever did I remember the first time I ever did that I, I did the Seattle the first time you ever oh yeah I want to talk about how the whole heckler thing started how you started recording that how that became a thing so the way it started so okay so the way it started was I used to do this thing every Sunday show at a club uh-huh. where I would ad-lib the whole show. Yeah. And the premise was clubs always had bad Sundays. And so, and they would always say, oh, you can give out tickets for Sunday. I'm like, to people who already came, they, they're going to see the show again? Yeah. So I decided Sunday's going to be ad-lib night. And the whole week I would tell people, hey. That's great. You know, come out and see, come out and see Sunday. It'll be completely different. Free tickets. You came out and see me Thursday. Come see me Sunday again. It's great marketing. Now I'm going to steal that 100. percent It got so popular that my Sunday shows were sold out before my Saturdays. Oh wow! Because if you do it in a market, the next year everyone who is there comes again and brings a friend. Because you know, and it's one of these things I, I joke around. The idea of like you know, bring your mouthy friend, I'll fuck him up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was the Sunday show, and it was purposefully designed as a Anyone could participate. There is no heckler at a Sunday show because yeah. it was just, it's a free-for-all. And look, if I'm in the middle of a rant, don't interrupt me. Yeah. But, like, it's you're encouraged to participate. Yeah. So I would put up clips from that because I didn't want to burn my material. Yeah. And then every now and then when a heckler would happen, I would put up that clip, too. I started filming every show. Uh, I started thinks. uh like I had a I, w- I was touring in Texas with a comic and he had a flip camera and we went around after the show just bugging students to try to get fun footage yeah 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 just like interviewing people and it was a lot of fun and I was like this is really cool and they only cost like 80 bucks you remember those yeah of course of and you know if you put it more than 10 feet away you're filming with a potato 
<laughs> yeah. And so I would get some clips from that. And like there was one clip where so a bunch of different things happened to kind of push me toward this. And I yeah. don't know how, how much you know how much time we have, but wherever you want. Um there was one clip so the first big heckler thing that happened was in Livonia, Michigan at Joey's, which is, you know, God rest its soul or whatever. <laughs> it's R.I.P. So I was opening for Phil Palisol and I did this bit about it was a political bit, but it was not partisan. Yeah. The the na- the opening of the bit is do you know that we spent $1.6 billion on security for the Democratic and Republican National Conventions? You understand what that means? We spent $1.6 billion to protect the lives of the same people we'd most like to see killed by terrorists? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a partisan bit. Not a partisan bit. And then I go into this whole long thing about what we could have done with the money. Yeah. And none of it's partisan. So this one woman, and right before the bit, I had done a joke, a blue ball joke, that... I got three applause breaks. It's yeah. a fucking blue ball joke. This is not a partisan bit. <laughs> this one woman yells well, out. Well, it wasn't red balls. It was blue balls. Yeah, so, exactly. You know. There was. Uh, yeah, this was. This is how long ago this was. This was like before the red. Before and blue red and blue was even this a thing. Was That's 2004. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the this one woman yells out. Um, I thought we were going to a comedy show, not a political rally. Oh, boy. So I respond, well, you can tell it's a comedy show because of how many people around you are laughing. Yes. And that gets a laugh. Yeah. Cool. I'm good to go. I, I start to go again. This other guy yells out, well, you're not doing very well. Ooh. Now, I've already done the whole, aren't I doing well thing? Yeah. I can't go into that a second time. That well's yeah. dry. So I try, you know, and everybody's kind of like, oh, and I go, <laughs> D- come on, I got this. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have this. <laughs> but I figure I'll ask him enough things, get enough rope, let him hang himself. Yeah. So I was getting nothing from him. Probably 90 seconds of silence, which in that moment, oh, that's a long time. So you're getting nice from the audience, you mean? From him. I was asking, I was like, what's your name? He oh, and he just wasn't anything. answering. Got it. What do you do for a living? I'm retired. What do you use to do for a living? Doesn't say anything. Yeah. So finally I go... Were you a heckler? Is that what you you did for a living? Yeah. This is a dumb thing to say. And he goes, he goes, I'm not, I'm not a heckler. <laughs> and I was like, well, you interrupted me, so you absolutely are. Yeah. And he goes, well, you weren't being very nice. Now at this point, it's been silent for too long. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm, I was desperately trying to find something, and I stumbled on something accidentally, because he said you, you weren't being very nice, and I started laughing. And I just go, I wasn't trying to get a laugh. I just say to him, I go, oh, well, here's how this works. I'm going to say a whole bunch of things tonight. You're not going to enjoy all of them. And I'm not going to give a fuck. That got, I looked at the tape afterward. Yeah. 16 seconds of applause. Holy I tried shit. to stop them at eight. Yeah. And it was because they were so much madder at him than I yeah, was. Yeah, of course. That whatever I would have said. That was the first time I ever had a long line after the show of people like just wanting autographs, pictures, all this stuff. And like it hit me. The heckler thing hadn't materialized yet. But what hit me was like, oh, okay, they want me to go in on these guys. Yeah. And then with the flip camera, uh, with Brian Bruner, by the way, was the comic who uh, who had it. I should give him a shout out. I shouldn't just say a comic. <laughs> so uh, I was recording a set in Salt Lake City. 
Uh-huh. Wise U- Guys? University of Utah. Okay, well, okay. And it was billed as an adult event, but they also advertised it on Brigham Young's campus, which was the dumbest thing to do. <laughs> so so I, you got a bunch of Mormons coming. I open, I open with the joke, Salt Lake City is really beautiful, but I don't know if you know this, you guys aren't close to shit. Yeah. That's it. A third of the room walks. <laughs> it starts with like a little trickle, and within five minutes it is a third of the room. And a part of it is because if you if someone in your ward leaves and you don't, yeah, they're gonna gospel about you. Yeah, so they're gonna gospel about you. Gossip. Oh, gossip uh, uh, these are you. these are Mormons though. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, Got this it. This was Mormon. Yeah, that's why ward is the a ward. Yeah, yeah, is the word. So, um, and as they're leaving, and I have bits about language and people being offended by language, and and so I start doing those bits as more of them are leaving. And at one point, someone yells out, they're assholes. And I go, no, they're children. Yeah. And I just talk about being an adult, et cetera. So that set, I end up putting clips of that set up with like a little commentary as well. Uh, the joke being that Utah leads the nation in porn consumption. So not only can those people go fuck themselves, but that's probably what they left to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fun. That's great. Thanks. So... That clip, I was really nervous about putting that clip up. That clip got Why? the best reaction I've ever had. Why were you nervous? Because I just, it didn't show me at my best. It it was something where it showed a lot of vulnerability. It showed a lot of, and I wasn't ready to be vulnerable. Interesting. And I was afraid to be. That's what being vulnerable is. Yeah. And I put it up, and so many people were, yeah, this is why we like you kind of thing. And I realized, oh, Okay. Yeah. They people want me to speak my mind. People want me to and for a little while I was being the comic that was like trying to make the whole room like me. Sure. No yeah. one drives 2 hours to see someone they kind of like. Yeah. And I realized that I was like dividing the room's a good thing. Yeah. And then there was another clip I had that was from a heckler that was just my friend was rec- paid a videographer to record every set that weekend, and so I tipped the guy to record me too. And there was just one night where it was the best show of the week, and one guy interrupted it, and I went off on him for two minutes, and I was giggling the whole time because <laughs> he was just—it was just such a dumb thing that he said. Yeah. And I was just making fun of how dumb it was, and so that clip—I remember when that clip got thirty thousand views and how excited I was. Yeah. Oh, 30,000. It's like, if I put up a clip now and the first day doesn't do that, I'm like, like God damn it. This clip sucks. <laughs> so, but I remember like how exciting that was. And that's really, that clip is really what started the the actual like yeah. people looking out for the heckler stuff. So and then it's you're a like, very I, long answer to this question. No, of course. But that, that became the sort of, then it became part of the mandate of like, of your brand, it, right? It became the kind of the hallmark of what I do. And it's funny because they're less than 20% of my videos. Yeah. I have almost 1,000 videos, and it's fewer than 200 heckler clips. Why do you think Why do you think heckler clips are so clickbaity? What do you think it is about heckler clips that make people, and, and, and myself included, I see, st- like, comic destroys heckler in front of girlfriend, and I click, yeah. and it's inevitably you. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. You know so, when it's not me? It's yeah. not me when it's all capital letters. It's not yeah. me when there are eight exclamation points. Of course. And it's not me when it's actual clickbait. Clickbait to me is promising and not delivering. Yeah, got it. Um, a good title, you know, an incendiary title that gets you to click, but you still deliver on what it is. Sure. Yeah, of course. You know, like 
there was one, the one I was talking about with the two guys who were jawing at each other. The name of that clip is like two comedians stop fight at comedy show. Yeah. And there there are some people in the comments who are like, there wasn't a fight. It's like, <laughs> A, we said stop. Stop fight, yeah. B, there wasn't a physical fight because we stopped it. If you say, oh, I had a fight with my girlfriend, do people go, oh, you beat up your girlfriend? Or do people <laughs> understand that language can also be a fight? Yeah. Like, calling each other pussy is also a fight. Yeah. So anyway, um, Miles Weber actually has a great clip where it's titled, like, Comedian Kicks Heckler in Face. And he's on a stage that's about the height of the heckler. It's a very tall stage. And at the end of the clip, he comes on. He's like, did you actually want me to kick that woman <laughs> in the face? Are you a monster? Yeah, and it probably has millions of views. It's a great, it's a great clip. And it's yeah. funny. He addresses the idea of, like, how bloodthirsty are you? So why do you think, do you think people are just bloodthirsty? People are just... No, I think that for the most part, it is catharsis. Yeah. Um, it is justice. Everybody has someone in their life that they want to tell off, especially at work. Yeah. And in my job, I get to do that. Yeah. I never... There's a clip that got sent around a lot where, like, it's at, I think it's at an open mic in Vegas where this clearly mentally ill person approaches the stage. He won't stop approaching the stage, and the guy on stage kicks him in the chest. And people have asked me a lot, oh, what do you think of that one? I said, I think it's two mentally ill people fighting. Yeah. And I think that no one should be proud of that clip. Yeah. Um, and I think it's disgusting that the person, that the comic who, I'm so sorry for using that word, the person who was doing comedy, yes, who kicked a mentally ill man in the chest, yeah, is proud of it. Is he still a comic? Is he still a person who does comedy? I have no idea. No idea. But I think it's gross. It is and gross. And the reason, I think, the reason people gravitate toward my stuff is because my stuff is, it's justice. It's yeah. not... I'm not picking a fight with anybody, ever. Yeah. Half of my clips start with me going, what'd you say? Yeah. Because, like, I didn't even hear it at You first, give them a chance like, to sort of make it right. Exactly. Yeah. And even the one, the one of the biggest ones, which was the sexist heckler clip. What's it called? Uh, it's, the, it's called Comedian Flips It on Sexist Heckler. Yeah. And there are people being like, that guy wasn't being sexist. And I'm like, I asked him three times if that's what he meant. Yeah. If someone accused you of being sexist... And then we're like, can you explain that to me three times? Yeah, yeah. And you didn't say, no, 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 I'm not being said. Like, <laughs> immediately you would say that. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, off topic. Uh, the point is that it's it's justice. It is, there's a subreddit called uh, Justice Porn. Oh, God. It's, it's No, it's one of my favorite things. It's not actual porn. <laughs> the idea is that it's like people, you know, quote unquote, getting up. There's also earth porn. It's yeah. just, you know, nice pictures of yeah. the earth. It, it's, like, it's like the instant karma videos that, are, that are viral. Absolutely. Same thing. It's, yeah, instant karma is a great sub. Um, and so justice porn, though, is like more specific. It's like the guy who, you know, uh, there's a guy who tried to steal a woman's purse on the bus. And he turns around and the bus driver gets the door closed in time. And his arm is stuck in the door, and the bus, and the bus driver is just beating him while he's driving. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's a great clip right there. Yeah, you know, I'm not looking for anyone to get their ass kicked, but at the same time, like that punk kid tried to mug an old lady. Yeah, yeah, fuck him up. Well, it's funny because in the in the instant karma, which I've definitely watched <laughs> more than I care yeah. to admit, but sometimes they say, "Oh, this guy bullied this kid at school," and it just shows a fight. Yeah. It's almost like. Well, you're just showing a fight, and you're reverse engineering so people don't feel guilty about watching a fight. Right. So part of it 
and same thing with comedy, people still just want to fight, right? Yeah, you but have then they to... don't feel guilty if they know the person's being a dick. Right, you have to show the person being a dick. Yeah. And the clips that have done the best are the people who have been, like there was one where this woman was totally homophobic. And it's funny because people were like, how is she being homophobic? She said that her friend can't be gay because he's nice. <laughs> it's pretty homophobic. It's just stupid. Yeah, it's also very, very dumb. Um, but, like, the that one did really well. There was one where uh, there was a German woman who was heckling me, and I was snapping back about being Jewish. And uh, there was one part, because she kept saying about, like, you have a German name, you have a German name. I go, yeah, but I'm not German. I don't know if you know history. But the Germans went around the world, gave a lot of us names we didn't fucking want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Like, that kind of stuff does really well because it is, you know, it's someone who deserves it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think that's it. I think it's people I think it's people vicariously living through. And also, it's funny, you know? Like yeah, of course. Like, a lot course. of stuff is funny. Where do, you th- where do you see it going? Do you see that having a – well, a couple questions. One is, do you ever have any legal issues with it, like – people's voice being heard because you don't show their faces so if you don't show their faces no. then there's no legal issue every now I, and then someone stands in front of the camera and you have to blur them out Nah, i don't give a fuck you don't give a fuck they, so you're, they did it there there shouldn't be an expectation of privacy oh really they and walk in the room i have my cameras up i talk about filming during the show yeah there's no expectation of privacy okay anyone can sue anyone for anything yeah that's an unwinnable lawsuit yeah and these people aren't really identifiable usually in these in yeah, these videos. Yeah, the only way for a stranger to identify them is if they identify themselves. Has anything ever come back, like a video posted, and a guy messaged you later, like, listen, man, I'm sorry, or like, fuck you for posting that? Uh, I've had someone apologize. That's kind of cool. Um, my favorite one is, so the the biggest, most popular clip, the clip that changed my life, um, was this old woman in Titusville. She's 71 years old, so I guess now she's 74. Uh in Titusville, Florida, which is a very small town. Very small town. Like, the sheriff was at the show. <laughs> the city councilman was at the show. The judge was at the show. Like, this is, it's where the space shuttle used to be launched from. Uh-huh. and isn't anymore. So they've, like, closed schools and post offices. And, like, you know a town's not doing well when, like, everybody, when people are like, hey, you know, thanks for coming. That's a town that's doing fine. Where yeah, people yeah. Go, Oh, thank you so much for doing a show here. <laughs> yeah, that's when you're like, oh, you haven't had entertainment in a yeah, while. Yeah, that's like a war zone in Iraq it, or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like this is the town that time forgot. So, it's a small town, and like that clip has gotten 20 million views. Wow. And so she's famous. What is what? what you is, can't see her. What at is? All. Just give us a synopsis because I haven't seen it yet. So the, the basic the basics of it is I had a bit about parents acting entitled. Yeah. And at the very beginning of the bit, she interrupted it to act entitled. Yeah. So I had two more minutes of just material about what she was doing. And she kept doing it. She kept feeding she into kept it. She kept doing it. She was doing what I was talking about in the bit, in the bit. <laughs> and so the whole thing looks exactly like it's off the cuff. Yeah, that's the and best. And then the final joke of it is off the cuff and happened just be- So anyway, it's apparent... The, the line that sticks with everybody, and it's the line that was in my act, was about, because uh, she said, you don't ha- no, have any kids, so you don't know anything about kids. So I said, I've never flown a helicopter, but if I saw one in a tree, I could still say, dude, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And that line, like, I've had people make their own T-shirts with that line. 
I've had it's been a meme. People have stolen it. And yeah. People have stolen it from me every which way. I have I can't tell you how many times I'm tagged on Reddit of someone going, That's not your joke, that's Steve's joke. Because yeah. people put it in a comment just acting like it's theirs. Yeah, and they probably just shift it a little bit or change a couple of the words. It's the same made, idea. Someone made a fucking meme of it and like messed up the joke too. Like it yeah. wasn't even exactly right. After this was on the front page of Reddit, someone made a meme of it and they just they took my face out of it and they put it just on a picture of a screaming kid and like got the wording a little bit wrong. And I messaged the guy, I go, Hey man, th- this isn't yours. Yeah. And he gave me the whatever, it's just the internet. <laughs> oh god. And I'm like, Oh, just the preferred method of communication? Yeah. Just the just the most popular method of communication in the world. Yeah. So then he finally agreed to take it down and apologize, but meanwhile it's already right yeah, then it exactly. already had a quarter yeah. of a million views and so a bunch of other people put it and it gets reposted and you know and that happens but I think the majority of the internet knows that joke is mine. Yeah. I did, I remember one point I think you went after Fat Jewish. Oh, I've been I've gone after him a bunch. Yeah, did he ever steal your stuff? Uh, just he the, never stole from the idea me. of him just makes you He never stole from me, which is why I've never sued him. If he stole from me, I'd absolutely go to court. Now, how can you sue someone for for that for comedy? Has it been done before, really? You can prove, well, it's plagiarism. Some of the stuff he's done is provable. Yeah. Uh, the thing he took from Davin Magwood, absolutely provable, because there was the same grammatical error. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. And not only that, it was a joke about being a black what man. Is, what is the joke? It was, uh, it was a joke during the Cecil the Lion thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it was a joke. It was something about, I forget what the joke was, but it was something about the fact that, like, like I wish I was a lion so, like, people would actually care if I got shot. Uh-huh. Something like that. Yeah. Which only makes sense if, if you're black. If you're a black guy. Uh-huh. Not if you're a white dude. And so, and it was the same picture he used and the same exact wording, including the grammatical error. Yeah. So that's very provable. So how come that hasn't been litigated? How come you don't hear about that being litigated? Because he steals from people who can't afford lawyers. Wow. Yeah. I would do it, I mean, not just because, like, I'm doing well enough that, like, I I can hire a lawyer if someone yeah. steals from me. But also, that's worth the publicity. Man. Yeah, that's great press. To be the guy that takes to down. To set the precedent? The Well, so I actually started a group on Facebook called Comedians Writers Against Plagiarism. Yeah. And we got one of the fat Jewish, uh, we got his book signing in L.A. canceled. Oh, that's awesome. Because we, we were able to mobilize hundreds of us called Barnes & Noble. And I said, think I remember that, yeah. And said, we will not support you. Because he also... The thing was, but I don't know why no one sued him because when he did it in his book, that's so provable. Of course. Um, yeah, he he stole a thing from Thrillist, um, and so the writer for Thrillist absolutely could have done that. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, no one's done it. I think a lot of people take the advice of like, oh, I don't know if you could prove it. I sat next to a copyright lawyer on a plane uh, once, and this is a guy who like one of the biggest in the business. Yeah. Like, and just happened to sit next to him, and I was talking to him about this whole thing. And it was very, very interesting to hear, like, okay, what you can prove and what you can't and things like that. Yeah, of course. But, you know, he said, he's like, look, you know, I can't literally give you legal advice, but it sounds like a lot of people would be able to sue this guy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And and what I asked was, I was like, can you sue Instagram? Ah. Because they have knowledge of this. If you can prove that they know this, yeah. can you sue Instagram? Can you sue Twitter? And, and he, was, he was like, and, that's yeah. 
he he was like, you can certainly sue. Whether or not you could win depends on how good the lawyers are. And he's like, and I'm one of them, so I don't know if you could. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, like, yeah, and it's a gray area right now. So I think the law is still being established about what is intellectual property on the web. Yes, but if the website knows about it and tolerates it, then they're party to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. You could you could have a hell of a case, but he's never stolen from me. Yeah. So we were at a Knicks game together once. That was fun. Does he know? He must know you, right? I'm sure he does. Yeah. He was very uncomfortable walking by. <laughs> um, because we were both on house tickets. So we were both in like the like the guest there's like a dining room. Yeah. That like the guests can go oh, to. Oh yeah, that's pretty intimate came. quarters right there. Yeah. What? That's intimate quarters. That's yeah. not like yeah. Yeah, there are thirty people in there yeah. and half of them are super famous. Yeah. So like the rest of us are just kinda in a you know, in the non reserve tables. Like we're not sitting at Doctor J's table, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but like he walked by me on his way to get some food and just head down, <laughs> you know, like back kind of toward me, just very like yeah, avoiding me at all costs, which was great because I was great. like, I didn't necessarily want to talk to him either. Of course, like, and it's crazy because he's still like a huge force on on the web. It's almost and, like you can't and, take it down. And also, like the guys behind Fuck Jerry might even be worse. I don't but know. If I don't they're a meme it. page also that does yeah. the same thing, and it's one of these things where like. He also used the whatever man it's just the internet. Dan Rather has an interview with him where he obliterated him in such a cool way. And it's so wonderful to see Dan Rather basically being like, I think at one point he said something like, now do you believe any of the shit that you say? Or <laughs> It was great. It was wonderful. That's always a great question for an interview. Yeah. So um, you've been here for a long time, so I, I want to wrap this up. I know it's yeah. like freezing out here. Uh, and You've been awesome sticking around. Uh what what give me a little bit of like where do you see it going in five years because you seem like you you always have a plan i always look at you as someone who has a plan for something like not world domination but something shy of world domination so what 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 is because there were times when you were running comedy juice and then you were kind of like running the laugh factor and you kind of have your fingers lots of pies where do you see yourself what where is it happening well just i mean just to be clear because i always like to be clear about stuff i was never running the factory okay you know what i mean i was the ceo I was the EVP of film and television, and I okay. was CEO of Laugh Factory Productions, Got which it. is, you know, a, a subsidiary company. But um, I was up there, yeah. Um, and then I left to buy Comedy Juice, yeah, um, which I still run. Um, the trick is, I don't have a plan. The trick is, I take what plans come before me, and I'm malleable. Yeah. So. I didn't expect to run things at the Laugh Factory. That came from a lunch that I had with Jamie. Wow. Where we were talking about the future of the productions and et cetera. And I was, you know, telling him some ideas. And he was like, do you want to run that? And I was like, shit. Yeah, okay. Let's talk. Yeah. And then I hadn't thought about it, but I was like, yeah, sure. And so then we talked and I thought about it and we made it work. And then when Comedy Juice came up, um, you know, they'd been running it for 15 years. I'm doing a damn good job and I've known them since the beginning. And they reached out to me, and basically they've both been wildly successful in other things. Sure. And they just didn't need the hassle anymore. And so they said, we want someone who can run this the right way, and we think you can do it. Are you interested? And I said, absolutely, I'm interested. I never thought of that as a possibility. Of I course. I never would have imagined they would ever get It just came up. up, yeah. And so it came up, and in order to make it work, I had to do a leap of faith. I had to leave the Laugh Factory before I bought it. Wow. Because we were negotiating, and it just wouldn't have worked with me still in that position. Got it. 
And if that negotiation had fallen through, which it almost did, <laughs> well, that would have been a bad decision. Yeah, yeah. But it ended up being the right decision. And uh, and it was also great to, you know, be able to leave the Laugh Factory on my terms. On good terms, And yeah. on good terms with Jamie, too. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I still see him as, like, a father figure to me. He's been great. And so, yeah. like, whatever comes up next is something I'm interested in. Cool. You know, I... Unless it's a I just want to know if you're going to run a studio, so how much I should kiss your ass right now. That's what <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> the, the joke among my friends since the beginning has always been like, oh, Steve's going to run a network one day. And a friend of mine always tells me I'm going to run NBC. And, I mean, it's a running joke where I'm just like, can't you give me a good one? You can't. We're going to fantasize. You can give me, you can give me NBC. You can give, give me the last place one. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but you're going to turn it around, man. You're going to turn it around. <laughs> like, I'll take that. I'll buy the Marlins, you know? Yeah. Um. So it's something that, like, look, I don't know. You know, I, I know that I will always do comedy. I always enjoy that. But I love the business side of things. I have some stuff in the fire right now that who knows if it'll work. Um, you know, either it'll be irons in the fire or it'll be my career in the fire. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think the real key is to be open to it. And there are so many people who say, oh, I'm going to stay in my lane. Well, you know what? Sometimes your lane ends. Like, the New York Times wanted to stay in their lane yeah. by only being a newspaper. Yeah. They could have they been CNN. They could have been the first TV sure. network. They could have run the internet. Yeah. But they wanted to stay in their lane. Because they were arrogant. As Exactly. As did a lot of newspapers. Yeah. You know who wanted to stay in their lane? Milkmen. Milkmen wanted to stay in their lane. <laughs> yeah. And the people, you know who wants to stay in their lane right now? Uh, people who work in coal yeah, and people who sure. drive cars for a living. Yeah. Even though, like, if you drive a car for a living right now, do yeah. everything you can on the side to learn maintenance for automatic cars. Exactly. Because that's what's coming next. And basically any entertainment studio that's not Netflix is staying in their lane. Yeah. And they're and devoured. I met with, when I was at the factory, I met with so many different production companies and studios, and it was so interesting because every one of them, one of two things, either this is the best time in television or... We're dying. Help us. <laughs> and it was just so interesting to see who was who. And the every one of them that was successful, the thing they had in common was they were malleable. Yeah. Is it? I, I had a meeting with Comedy Central one time, and uh, I don't want to name the guys. Actually, I don't even know their names. So that's why I can't name them. Yeah. Uh, but in the meeting, they were kind of like, there was a point, and this is fairly recently, and they yeah. were kind of like, they gave me the look of like, look, we get it. We're not Comedy Central anymore. Like, they yeah. basically, like, we get that we're kind of the retired heavyweight champion yeah. of the world. And we get that Netflix has taken all of our comics, all of our ideas. And they were kind of like, yeah, we know that. Yeah. But we're still doing our thing. Like, we know that, but we're still only going to give shows to guys <laughs> with beards and flannel shirts. <laughs> hey, you got a beard. There you go. Uh, I, this is laziness, though. This isn't a real beard. <laughs> this is just too much stuff. Now, why haven't you been involved... With your comedy, I thought that you might get sort of involved in the roast stuff, the roast battle. Does that interest you? It doesn't interest me, but I don't know. Um, I would do it. I would do it if it's good natured. I I wrote um, when Nikki Glaser was doing the Bruce Willis roast. She yeah. was bouncing around. She did a couple juice shows, and she said she's like, absolutely looking for jokes. And I was like, great. And so I wrote a whole bunch. Um, she didn't end up using any of them, but I posted it just on social media of like, here are the jokes I wrote for it. Yeah. And like, it did pretty well. Um, 
the problem I have with the roast battle thing is it's mean. I agree, yeah. I, I've i been asked to do one, and I said I'll only roast a friend. Yeah. I will not roast a stranger. I'll roast a celebrity stranger. That's different. You're in the public eye. Of course. You're, you know, that's fine. I will not roast a comic who's doing their best. Yeah. So you'll roast a friend. So full circle. Are we friends? Well, we're friends. Okay, maybe we'll have a roast battle well, someday. Let's, <laughs> let's put it out there. Uh, I, let, I, like, <laughs> I just I just think the idea of like, hey, let's put this fat guy against this hot girl and then see what happens. It's yeah. just mean. I agree. And and some people are really into it. I don't begrudge them. And by the way, I love Rel to death. Rel is awesome. Oh, he's the best. And you know, and he created that show. And I just think that the way some of it's handled is so mean. I've I've written for a couple friends who have done it. You know, where, like, a friend will do it, and they'll just be like, hey, uh, you know, and they'll just reach out to everyone they know yeah, to yeah. write stuff. Um, but I've never I've never had the desire to – it's like we said before. Someone has to earn my hatred. <laughs> and yeah. that's why with a friend it's fine because it's in good spirits. There's a thing I do on my YouTube channel called Ad Lib Battle, and that's something with – I do it with my buddy Andrew Rivers, and I want to do it with other comics too. It's just a thing Andrew and I created, where the idea is it came from. We were listening to an interview where a comic said, "My jokes are like my children," and I was like, "You pretentious fuck!" <laughs> and we're just on the road. We're bored in a car, and I start being like, "Well, your jokes are like your children," you know, and just start. We start doing that, and Andrew's like, "Your jokes are like your children. They don't work. They should have been aborted." And yeah, exactly. And I was like, your jokes are like your children. I pay them to open for me. <laughs> like just horrible things. Yeah. And we we're like, we should film this. And so we started doing those. And those are a lot of fun because the thing that makes those clips work, I laugh more at his than he does. He laughs more at mine than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're just having a blast. Like he, there was one we did, your car is like your girlfriend. Yeah. And he goes, your car is like your girlfriend. It exceeds the weight limit of this bridge. <laughs> we were driving at the time we were doing it. We were on a bridge. I was like, how the fuck did you just do that? <laughs> and there's like there's like 10 seconds of me in the clip just freaking out about how much I enjoyed him doing that. Yeah. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah. You know? That's great, man. Um, well, we're signing off now. So what do you what do you have to plug? Uh, nothing in the near future, but in general, what do you have to plug? Is there... Is, Social media handles or whatever? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's at Steve Hofstetter on most things. Um, my YouTube page is The Hofstetter. Mm -hmm. um, but you just put Steve Hofstetter in and you'll find me. Um, and I'm doing a, I'm doing an abbreviated tour this year. Mm -hmm. um, not as many venues, but they're bigger. So what's I'm the name doing, of the tour? Um, it's uh, I think I'm calling it Hofstetter. Oh, yeah. So, you, had a, you had a poll. Yeah, I had a poll. I like that. that one. So Hofstetter <laughs> is fun. Um, and, yeah, I'm doing a bunch of theaters. I'm doing uh, Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland. And uh, I think we just added Pittsburgh today. Um, so, you know, a bunch of, bunch of decent markets. And, you know, ho hopefully, uh, you know, people can come out. And I'm sure some great heckler videos will come out. Hopefully not, not too many. But yeah, it's just funny. Enough. At those shows, they don't, a lot of those don't come because they're usually, like, my fans and of my course, fans of course, your fans, yeah. The ones that happen the most is like when I'm just at a random show. Of course, yeah. I yeah, like I, I toured with Josh Wolf a couple weeks ago, and we were in Naples, and like half that crowd is drunk, and <laughs> they're not there for me. They're there for the for Josh, or because they want to see a comedy show without looking up who they're coming to see. Yeah. So there were a couple clips from that one. 
Okay, <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Hey, Steve, man, you're great. I'm so I'm so yeah, happy for, for you. Me, I'm excited to see what's coming up for you in the future. Absolutely. Uh, that's Steve Hofstetter. This is Bill Dawes. Thanks for coming to the After Laugh. Signing off. Bye bye. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh, <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>